It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, December 18th, 2020. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Among those getting immunized in Sitka on Wednesday was Dr. Elliot Bruhl, Chief Medical Officer of the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium. After receiving his shot, Dr. Bruhl didn't retire to his office. Instead, he boarded a plane to deliver vaccines to Prince of Wales Island, a process that will be duplicated by healthcare professionals all over the state. He spoke with KCAW's Robert Woolsey about his day. It's understandable that people, you know, have concerns, but also, you know, this is a this is the result of um, some really outstanding science, and you know, it's safe. And it's really, it's the route to the end. So we need to roll up our sleeve and do it, you know? So how are you feeling? When did you get the shot and how are you feeling? Well, I got the shot this morning uh, at about 10 o'clock as part of the group of clinicians at the hospital, uh, at Mount Edgecombe Hospital. And currently the vaccine is being given to people in a group called 1A, which is healthcare providers who have direct patient contact, as well as to first responders, EMS, uh, and people who live in long-term care facilities and uh, elderly congregant living situations. And um, it was in the upper part of my arm, in the deltoid, and my arm is sore. Uh, but not too sore, just a little bit at the site. I'd say it's about like when you get uh, a tetanus shot, it's about that level of sore. And I haven't had any um, sweats or headache or other strange feelings in my body. And um, I feel just fine. And I spent the afternoon flying down to Prince of Wales Island uh, delivering vaccine for the uh, healthcare providers uh, down in Klawak, as well as people living in the in the home down there, and staff and EMS, and it was one of the it was really a very meaningful experience. You know, uh, I think as I look back over the last thirty years in medicine, and um, just the the excitement for the community uh, to finally have this flowing into the community was palpable and you know, the staff was excited. And um, so it's just, it's been a wonderful day. Elliot, just one last thing. I know that you um, went into Cloak today to deliver vaccine and this Pfizer vaccine does require special handling. One of the photos that Megan sent over included, uh, it was a picture of Tracy Gale standing by her ultra deep freeze where she stores the vaccine at minus 80 degrees Celsius. So when you're delivering vaccine to a place like Cloak or another search community, is it pretty much get the vaccine, go and administer it situation? Yeah, that is really the kind of situation that we're dealing with. So we're pushing the vaccine out into all of our communities. And of course, we're fighting the weather and we're fighting logistics and we're working on all of that. And, you know, our hope is to get it to, you know, all of our communities, including Angoon and, and Cake and Haynes uh, uh, and Huna. And um, we have been working on this for weeks. And, and this is going to sound sappy, but I, I, it's the truth. You know, I'm so thankful for our staff. They've just been wonderful. They've been working so hard on this. And um, 
And I think it's, I think it's gratifying. I mean, the rest of the work of the pandemic goes on, you know, taking care of patients, uh, you know, testing and, and wearing PPE and doing all the things that we're doing to try to keep staff and patients safe. But this is something that is bringing real hope to uh, our staff and real hope to uh, people in our communities. And, and, you know, it was wonderful today to witness that and to witness that uh, in the staff that we're working with. So, um, it, you know, it makes it all worthwhile. That was Dr. Elliot Bruhl, Chief Medical Officer of the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, talking about getting his immunization on Wednesday. Like everyone else who gets the vaccine, he'll have to roll up his sleeves again in three weeks for the second shot. Bruhl will appear later today at 8.15 a.m. on KCAW's morning interview to discuss the vaccine in more detail. Sitka reported one new coronavirus case yesterday. The man is a Sitka resident in his 40s. He did not have symptoms at the time of testing on December 12th. Contact tracing is complete. The man is isolating in Sitka, and his case is classified as secondary on the city dashboard, which means he had known contact with someone who tested positive for the virus. As of Thursday at 5 p.m., Sitka has 21 active cases of COVID-19. The city has reported 253 cases since the start of the pandemic. A second healthcare worker at Juno's Bartlett Regional Hospital experienced an allergic reaction to the COVID-19 vaccine on Wednesday, according to a press release from the hospital. Within a few minutes of receiving the injection, a male staff member of the hospital had mild symptoms of an allergic reaction, including puffy eyes, a scratchy throat, and lightheadedness. His reaction is not being considered anaphylaxis, the more serious allergic response another staff member of the hospital experienced on Tuesday. He was treated in the emergency department and released within an hour. According to the New York Times, the vaccine manufacturer Pfizer recommends giving the vaccine in a setting with equipment to manage anaphylaxis. Scientists are on the lookout for an invasive crab species expected to move north into Alaskan waters. This year in southeast Alaska, they added a new tool to the monitoring effort for European green crab, a threat to the state's shellfish and salmon. KFSK's Joe Viknicki reports. European green crab, or shore crab, have been expanding their range northward along the Pacific coast, but this year they were discovered just south of the Alaskan border. This Haida Gwaii occurrence last summer put some very close to us, and I, I really wish I could say we don't expect them, but prudence dictates that we say yes. We think there it's a matter of when, not if. That's Linda Shaw, Invasive Species Coordinator for the Alaska Regional Office of NOAA Fisheries. In July, natural resources managers found male and female adult green crab in Haida Gwaii, formerly called the Queen Charlotte Islands. The species is native to northern Europe, but has expanded its range into North and South America, Africa, Asia, and Australia. Crab were first found on the east coast of the U.S. in 1817 and the west coast in San Francisco in the 1980s. Initially, they may have been transported in ship ballast or by other human means, but some of the northward expansion in the Pacific may be by drifting young crab on ocean currents. Shaw says this animal ranks highly on the list of invasive threats for Alaska. They're one of the top, at least marine invasive species that we're concerned about, and we've been tracking them for many years because they've been on the west coast already they're in oregon and washington and have been moving 
up the coast of British Columbia. On the East Coast, these crab are known as aggressive eaters, and the hardy crustaceans have meant millions of dollars lost in fisheries for clams, mussels, and scallops. Crab are destructive to eelgrass beds, which are important to young fish. They're also known to eat juvenile salmon and could compete with native Dungeness crab. These green crab have expanded the range northward during times of warmer water conditions from El Nino events. Scientific models also predict warmer water from climate change could help the spread of the species. The typical way to monitor for this invader is using fish traps in targeted spots. But this past year, Shaw and Alaska Sea Grant fellow Meredith Pokart came up with a plan to combine trapping and water sampling in multiple spots. The water testing could produce environmental DNA left behind by the crab in skin, shell, or excrement. Scientists describe this eDNA, as it's called, as a biological fingerprint. Shaw says it's a relatively new method that seems well-suited to monitoring for invasive species. So maybe we have a, a broader net to cast, but just collecting the water samples, which are filtered down, and then that eDNA is, is analyzed for the potential presence of that organism. That wider net helps on Alaska's expansive coastline, but the plans for the expanded monitoring were derailed by travel restrictions from the global pandemic. Instead, other scientists working at Little Port Walter on southern Baranoff Island, south of Sitka, obtained the testing equipment and took the first water samples for green crab. Results aren't back from that testing yet, and Shaw cautions even if DNA is detected, follow-up trapping is still needed to confirm the presence of the species in Alaska. The scientists also secured funding to work with the Metlakatla Indian community to join in the monitoring effort. They are positioned ideally down there on Annette Island, close to our southern southeast Alaska border, to be able to intercept green crab that might be coming north towards Alaska. And they they were very interested in this project. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game provided the fish traps sent to Metlakatla and set in several spots this year. No crab turned up there or in traps set at Little Port Walter. The eDNA water sampling could start up in Metlakatla in 2021, and scientists may look to add other spots. They plan a full sampling season next April through September. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick look at our weather for Sitka for Friday, December 18th, 2020. Today, rain, highs in the lower 40s, southwest winds 15 to 20 miles per hour. Tonight, rain likely in the evening, then rain, near steady temperature around 40, south winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. And taking a quick look at our community calendar, Sitka Health Summit Coalition's Health Network and Learn Meeting is noon Friday, December 18th via Zoom. Good morning.